Hey, it's Naughty. And I'm the Teach. And welcome to Naughty and the Teach. This week, we are your favorite black hotties live from New York. Yes, we are live. This is going to be a very special New York-centric episode. We are happy to talk about New York. Um, this is where we are. This is where we're from. Uh, we love it here. Yeah, we're those born and raised New Yorkers, not the... Um, I've lived here for 10 years, so now I'm a native. No. Oh, yeah. When they come in and they be like, well, I remember when the neighborhood was. Yes, we do, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You change the neighborhood. Please. Please stop it. We do, too. Huh. Um, before we uh, get into our popping off, uh, how are you feeling today, this week? Um, Honestly, struggling. I f- have been very, very anxious with finals and struggling to get through that. But I have found... Um, Today, I actually found my rhythm, and I have been able to, you know, like, push forward because your girl going to graduate. So, bigger things are on, bigger and better things are on the horizon. So, um, thank you. I'm pushing through, you know. You're going to get there. And big steps, big, because graduation is right around the corner. Um, if the Rangers, it, it's all dependent on the Rangers. Very New York graduation. Oh, oh. Because if the Rangers. At Madison Square? Yeah, so if the Rangers get into the Stanley Cup, then it's in the second half of June, and if they don't, it's in the first half. Oh, I got you, I got you. Well, um, they're still playing, there's still an opportunity, so we'll see. Are we rooting for them to be successful, or, well, actually, let's not answer that question. Wait, I, <laughs> I only want to say no, because if they are successful, then I won't be able to go. Oh, so, Rangers, love you, love New York, but I want to walk across the stage. There'll be a lot of Rangers fans like, yo, fuck them. How dare they speak badly about. I'm not speaking. It's not. It actually has nothing to do with the Rangers. If y'all want to call Hunter and have them move the ceremony, I'm cool with that. But it something got to give. Yeah. This is a very, very New York episode. So, shout out to all of our uh, international listeners. Shout out to all our non New York-based listeners. Shout out to those of you who look at New York from a distance and are like, wow, I wish I could be there. We are definitely going to be talking to you in this episode. Shout out to our Cali listeners. We know you want to be us. Love you, though. Yes. <laughs> uh, I know you love your weather and your beach. And, you know, we look at it from afar and say, damn, that looks nice, especially during the winter months. But we are definitely going to be all New York. Today. And then you have wildfires and we're like in earthquakes and we're like, mm. Mm, yeah, you know, uh, it's even split at that point. All right. So let's move into popping off. I'm giving Nodi a look after I play it. So wait, how do you feel about that one? It's getting there. It's getting okay. better. <laughs> it's, it's not there better. yet, but uh, just, you know, it's so the goal, like, like we explained a, a couple of episodes before, is that this is your chance to get your drink, you know, sit down. Relax, kick back, unwind, just listen to the sounds of Naughty and the Teach. And as we, you know, give you some information this week. And talk that shit, as we always do. Talk that shit. So, Naughty, what are we popping off with? You know, being that this is the New York episode, we are going to talk about, uh, you know, New York glamour, uh, the Met Gala. So, the Met Gala this year, the theme was uh, the Gilded Era. And... Some people have had um, historians, uh, specifically like dress historians and fashion historians, have gone back and forth with this because, um, like, they have called, like, they say, like, 
people say the Gilded Age was like gold and they were like, nah, it was actually like gilded over shit. So the way that people were dressing, you know, they're not necessarily fans of everything, especially because and uh, when doing the research, understanding that when people wear these older garments, um, they are actively destroying them. Like when you wear your clothes, it was explained like, Every time you put on your clothes, the fact that you put deodorant on, the fact that your body has oils, you're moving in them, you might stain them, all of that deteriorates the um, the clothing and the fabric. And when it comes to certain, when it came to like certain outfits and certain dresses, and, and particularly, particularly for the, yeah, for women or people wearing dresses, um, or the the rare dresses that is a, becomes a real problem. And speaking on rare dresses, Kim Kardashian wore uh, Marilyn Monroe's dress. If you've ever seen the videos where Marilyn Monroe has, sings "Happy Birthday" to JFK, it's that is the that is the dress she wore, not a replica. She wore that dress. And the issue with that, it's not Kim Kardashian's fault because. You, you know, you're shooting your shot to wear like this beautiful dress. Um, it was other people who should have said no and just said you can wear a replica. You know, so it's not this is not us bashing Kim K. We are bashing the CEOs of Ripley's who owns the dress because they are not an actual they're not an accredited museum. Um, this is us, you know, even shading the Met because the Met could have should have could have said you are going to wear this precious historical garment. We will not let you in if you wear it. They could have done that. They gave the Met gave Kim Kardashian a special room um, to put on the dress because it has to. It's so rare and so precious, and like the the fabric is a silk that is flammable and is no longer made. They had to put her in a special room so she can even put it on. Um, you know, there's a, so like that's one thing that is wrong with it. You know, uh, JFK is a monumental president. Marilyn Monroe was a monumental figure, not just in New York, but like for America. And just, you know, the the fact that someone wore that dress is an issue because it's like breaking apart a piece of history. I know like, you know, we've seen National Treasure and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, steal a you know, Constitution, a Declaration of Independence. And, but that's, in real life, it's not very cool. Um, not so, at all. so, yeah, so a lot of like fashion historians were very upset about this. Um, they also said that, you know, Kim, like Kim Kardashian has uh, bigger hips than um, Marilyn Monroe. So, you think? <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, like, um, but Marilyn Monroe is curvy. So, that's not something that I would have even thought about. Um, I thought, but like, so like they had to, they had to like like really squeeze her in and they wore um cotton gloves and cotton gloves are very dangerous for these kind of fabrics so that deteriorated the dress because you can uh rip things apart they had to have there's like special gloves you have to wear when handling clothes and um so like she couldn't fit in it so it was hard for her to walk she was stepping on the seams so she was deteriorating the dress by more than just putting it on you know walking in it all those things she was like deteriorating the dress. And um, I also think that it's harmful. Like the, they interviewed her and they asked like how she got into the dress. She had to lose 
16 pounds in three weeks. And she said that she did a keto diet. I will tell you, I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian. Please do not try to replicate that. Please, I know summer is coming. Please do not try to lose 16 pounds in three weeks with keto because it can be, it can be very, very dangerous. You do not have the watchful eye um, of nutritionists and dietitians that Kim Kardashian does. So please do not do that. I know that some of you have heard this. Please don't do it. Listen to Naughty. Please listen to Naughty Flower. Yeah, just um, I think just be proud of how you look. And if you want to make some improvements for the summer, definitely do that. If you want to make improvements in general, do that. But that doesn't mean, you know, drop down very quickly because. Uh, I know it's coming. You ready? Work on your shit. Definitely do that. If, you know, be the best version of yourself. Um, if you like the way you look and you you like, yo, this is the body that summer's going to get. That's the body that summer's going to get. But don't do anything unhealthy in order to try to get to a goal. There's no real shortcuts in trying to get the body you want. Wait, surgery isn't shortcut. Surgery's not a shortcut. Yes. It's you still got to pay for it. You have, still, no, no. Not only paying recover. for it. Exactly. You still have to recover. And then after you recover, you have to work out to maintain that body. So if you want to get a, a... And BBLs have high mortality rates. So... You know, you could you could you could die off a of BBL, or you can try to walk even if it's in your house for thirty to forty minutes a day to get started and grow from there. Yeah, so um, definitely do what you can in order to look the best you can. Um, Kim K, I mean, I don't fault her. Only because, like, if you got an opportunity to wear this piece of history, yeah, she definitely... It, it's not her, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, hopefully the dress is maintained in whatever order it has and it's displayed or whatever it needs. But even that, it's such a fragile dress that it cannot be displayed. It, it should not be displayed frequently. That's how fragile it is. And it's like um, the historians were saying that even to be able to go into a vault to study it because the fact that you, like opened because it can't even be stored in a regular garment box it has to be stored in a, in a pressure light controlled room sounds like a lot of work for a dress yes but think but think about the history behind it and if you've and and um i've gone to the exhibits at the met where they show clothing and you know i did not know that like sequence and just like fabric in general can be deteriorated from light because the the rooms are generally dark and they have like kind of like spotlights. I I never thought about that. And the costume that they that they have, the clothing they have, are absolutely beautiful and spectacular. And you know, the reason why they have the Met Gala is because that um, the Costume Institute of the Met does not get funding from the rest of the museum, so they have to throw it to fund it. So like I you know, and they they always have beautiful beautiful like beautiful pieces so it's just unfortunate that that happened to that dress yeah i mean i want my crop listen listen when i memorialize i want my crop tops to be saved in the best fashion so <laughs> you know i definitely hear that um before um do you want to talk a little bit about some corrections oh to yes i do have a correction so last week i said that johnny depp um sued amber heard in the uk Cla uh, clarification he did not sue amber heard johnny depp uh sued the news group newspaper for libel which is another way to say definition de defamation of character in england in 2020 
he did this because this the specific newspaper, The Sun, there goes the fire truck. <laughs> this, oh, yeah. I was hoping it wouldn't happen this time. But hey, there it is. Yeah. The Sun had um, called him or labeled him a wife beater. And um, that's that's what he lost. But it is important to note that defamation of character is different in the U.S. than it is in the U.K. In the U.K., um, the respondent or the person you are suing has the burden of proving that uh, what they said could possibly be true or yeah, so could possibly be true. Um, and in the U S the defendant or the person suing has to, has the burden of proving not only that the person uh, that they are assuming made the claims, but also that they, that they are false and um, that they were made maliciously. This is all based on the article that the, or the op-ed that The Sun published um, by Amber Heard. Yeah. So, um, you know, just to give you that little clarification point so that way you are aware and up to date on this. Now, I know, you know, we talked about the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp case, but it brings up a lot of, like, pointed, pointed, uh, topics um you know such as abuse possible possible abuse possible toxic relationships well not really a possible toxic relationship but it brings up things that people can talk about so i can understand why people might be interested in however i did see a tiktok video about how excited they are. Have you seen that video about like people who live close to the courthouse? I have okay. Seen that. And it's like a concert and it's like, you know, they're all excited and they're waving and Johnny Depp is waving at them as they leave and people are like really excited. I get why people might be interested for the talking points and the possibilities that this trial can, you know, bring and talk speak of of a larger society, marriage, etc., you know, relationships, etc. Um but the whole rock star concert aspect of it is a little bit more difficult for me to grasp. I think for me, I think that it's, and I kind of said this in the last episode, I think it's kind of weird. I, I, I understand that, you know, people like are fans of Johnny Depp and they want, they're, they're using this as a, as a way to see him. And this is a, in a proximity that you would probably never get, right? Cause the courtroom is not that big. You know, so like you you can and then especially if you get there early, you could be in the front row, you could be sitting right behind him. I understand that, but I think that it's I'm I'm sorry if this is like too judge if this is judgmental, but I think that it's weird that you would wanna even see a celebrity or someone who you admire in general in such a vulnerable moment. Yeah, they're very I, vulnerable. I you know, I don't I don't want to see someone down and out like that. I do I wanna be supportive? Yes. Write him fan mail. I tweet at him. And they're sharing value, um, you know, aspects of their private life that, you know, we wouldn't want to be out there. Um, as far as, you know, private citizens and, and individuals, they're sharing very vulnerable, very moments in which people can take and run with and judge. And, you know, that's that's hard. And, you know, I, I get the aspect of wanting to be around your heroes. But is this the format? I mean, I guess people do it for the clout. They do it for the stories. They do it to say, I was there. 
But I don't know, and I'm not. This is not a judgment from from the teach. It's more of me saying I wouldn't want to be that. I don't know if it's. I I don't I don't I don't I don't see the appeal. I see the appeal of why people want to watch it and hear about what's going on from many different aspects of of life. Um, but I don't know why there's such excitement to get this wristband and go into this courtroom to just hear testimonies of people's private lives, people's pain, people's heartbreak, people's anguish. And, you know, I, I guess it's the story. I guess it's the clout. I guess. I mean, I love Cardi B. I was not trying to be in her um, in the courtroom or when she was uh, suing Tasha K. But do you think that it's it is a thing because of how promoted it is I think like there are some profile tri- high profile trials that people are like whoa this thing is happening i i want to be there i need to be there i need to know the details about what's happening if because i don't remember the uk one being like this but it i was don't during remember. it was in 2020 okay um it was when we were in the house yeah were people watching it on youtube though i don't know but also uh you couldn't watch cardi b's case on youtube and i i i do think that um, I believe it's in. It might be in West Virginia, but I think it's in Virginia. I do think that the court should have the the court should have made this. Um, like they should have had a sealed courtroom. It shouldn't. It should not be open to the public. It should not be live streamed, because even if even if it wasn't open to the public, it'd be able to be live streamed. I don't think that either of these things. Um, you know, I don't think that. It should like either of these things should be happening because and I do know that like with the pandemic, we have seen like recordings of um, different cases. I don't think that those should be out either. I understand that, um, you know, some of these things are public records, but that's the transcript. That's very different from videos being public record and being seen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, people are consuming this in many different ways. Um, like I said before, we're consuming people's anger, people's pain, people's heartache. Um, whatever works for you, I guess works for you. But keep in mind what we are actually doing here. Um, all right. So um, that concludes our popping off for this week. We are now going to dig deep into a topic that is near and dear to the both of us. New York. Concrete jungles where dreams are made of. I was gonna let you rock it for as long as no, you No, I might have to. fucked with that last one. But so. <laughs> um New York, New York, we are going to spend some time talking about our city. Um we're we wanted to break this episode into three parts. What's it like to live here from native New Yorkers' perspectives? Hold on. Uh, for us natives. Um, what are some of what are some things that we just have to accept about living here in New York and maybe doing a bit of myth busting um, for all of you out there with a false idea about New York City? So give we'll give you our perspectives. We'll talk a bit about things that we just have to accept about being and living in New York and doing a bit of myth busting about what it means to live in New York City or about New York City in general. So we wanted to start with our perspective. Um, I wanted to start with, obviously, the queen of the podcast. Naughty, what 
is your perspective? Um, I think I have a complex perspective because I was um, I was not at Ground Zero, but I was in the proximity of Ground Zero um, and during 9-11, at 9-11, on 9-11. I honestly don't know what is the preposition you use for that, but... Um, yeah, I was, and I was in second grade, so the, that experience and the trauma from that has always, like, lasted with me, and I feel like, in general, I can be a, like, somewhat paranoid person um, when it comes to, like, the, uh, awareness on the, on the street, especially at night, um, but that can also be because I am a black woman who gets catcalled, so I don't know if what it is from, you know, and on, honestly, but... Um, Overall, I think I have a positive view of New York, while at the same time, I think that just as a as a black woman, it is it is inherently complex because there is an aspect that of my safety that I will uh, there there's an aspect that I will never feel safe. Yeah, it's 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 also part of the black dilemma in America. But um, I'm saying black woman because it is intersected yeah. with men being like uh being aggressive with cat calling things like that but that is mostly being the aggressor that's not well they're being the. i'm saying speaking from my perspective women have not been aggressive towards me so i cannot say that but it's probably true um for people no men mostly are the aggressors Um, if you live in new york or if you're a woman or it doesn't matter you are going to be catcalled. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like, but that, but that experience is not uh, specific to New York. That's anywhere. But I have to put it in my perspective of New York. Yes. So yes, but um, yeah, I know I'm gonna just go back to 9/11 because I know I just like glossed over that. But yeah, it was like the beginning. It was like that first week, first couple of days of, um, of school. I was in second grade, six years old. Um, woo, We're gonna woo. do some math now. You see that? I already said my age in the podcast. Uh. Um, on my birthday. Oh. So if you go back and listen, so you can know my age, um, or do the math, I guess you can do that too. <laughs> go back and listen. That's even better. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I remember like the classroom I was in actually faced the Twin Towers. So we saw the first plane hit and then over the speaker, the principal had said, um, everybody close your blinds. But by that time, it was too late because we had already saw the first plane crash. Um, at Now that now I know we saw people jumping out of the windows, but at the time, like, it just kind of all looked like debris. Um, yeah. So, like, just also to give context, my school was maybe four or five blocks from where the Twin Towers were. Um, possibly, um, yeah, I think it's like four or five blocks. Um, so then, you know, the, the blinds, like, you know, the teachers, like, try to put the blinds down, but again, it's one teacher in a classroom of, like, 30 kids, six-year-olds, um, so she was, like, everybody sit down, like, trying to play, like, um, trying to play, like, a hand game with us, but people were screaming, crying, parents are coming in, like, you know, in, um, at least in New York, like there's the like when we have an emergency, teachers are supposed to like get this red folder, call parents, line everybody up, go outside. But this is a terrorist attack, so we couldn't go outside. Um, I honestly don't know if my school has a basement, but because of what was happening, that might not have been the safest thing to do. 
So like it was like every, like parents are coming, taking their kids. The teachers like trying to mark off people. This one kid, um, who I will not name, was like, "We're all gonna die." So now people are really, really crying. Um, uh, you know, my mom came and got me, and my godmother got my god sister. So we and we, my mom worked across the street. So we went up there, but the kids in her school didn't know what was happening because they were further away. So you know, we got my other god sister and. While we were going to the to my mom's job, the second plane hit, and like people are on the street like filming it, like because you know you don't know what to do. So then, you know, at that point, like the debris is coming like down the street. People are trying to drive, like taxis are trying to drive, and it's like there's nowhere to go because people abandoned their cars, right? But you know, people who own taxis invest like their lives. They will not abandon that car. No, because Absolutely like, not. literally, especially like if um, like a, a lot of, like this is a generalization, but a lot of taxi drivers are immigrants so they had to take out loans or, you know, loans to to get the special medallion. So that's literally- so much money. The medallion like, like, costs like so a, much money. I think it's like a million dollar investment. So like you cannot, and you know at that time, you knew if you left it, that's your whole life because you weren't going to get it back. You know, um, you know, so like at that point, like we are running, running along the, uh, like running, I think on the West side highway. Cause I remember seeing the water, um, running, running, running. And by the time we stopped, we were, um, we were in Midtown, you know, and we were sitting in a school building, like a school had finally like let us in so that people can like sit down. Um, you know, so we are sitting there waiting because, uh, I'm assuming that everything was locked down, you know, like in in the city at that time. And then by the time, like this was, so this is eight o'clock in the morning. We did not, like they were passing out like hot lunch and then, or like cold sandwiches. And then we were still there even later because by the time we left, it was getting dark. So if this is, um, at that time we started right, we started, like late in the, we started like in the, like maybe September 9th. So it was still summer. So it's like, that has to be like six, seven o'clock from eight o'clock. And then we had to walk home. I live in low, I live on the east side of lower Manhattan. And um, it took us what felt like hours to get home. Cause by the time I actually got home, it was like dark with stars in the sky, you know? So like that was my experience. Or our versions of stars in the sky in New York city. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, and then as a kid, we, I, I didn't go to, to school for six weeks. When we, when we went back to school, there were th- we were sharing a building with another school. So there were, um, so my class shared a classroom with a fifth grade class and sometimes with a fifth grade class and a third grade class in one room. Um, and then it was horrible because the kids at the school that we were like sharing would bully everybody. Cause they were like, get the fuck out of our school. Like, we don't want you here. You should have died. That I remember. And then after a few weeks, we all, we missed another few weeks of school. And we, they, the city, you know, thankfully I went to a school that was in Tribeca and like a, you know, white neighborhood because they opened up a, a, a closed school building and renovated it so that we can go or they had cleaned it so that we can go to school there. And then we were there for a few months. And then we went back, then we missed school again, then we went back to our original school. And that is where I met LeVar Burton. 
Shout out to Reading Rainbow. Yeah, they did a documentary on us. He has a great uh, cameo in a great show called Community. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Fun fact, I'm sorry, I have to shout out Cleveland, the custodian at my school. He personally knew LeVar Burton, and that is how I met LeVar Burton, and that big-ass smile is fucking real. Yeah, man. He got autumn, autumn teeth is in his mouth. It's a happy band. If you don't know who LeVar Burton is reading Rainbow, definitely look him up. He is an American treasure. I don't care what anybody says, American treasure. Um, anything else you want to add about your perspective? Because it sounds like 9-11 was a big, big part of... I mean, now I like I feel like I walk around... I don't know if it's because of 9-11, but I do walk around paranoid. When my daughter was first born, I always carried her birth because I was like, what if we get separated? And I feel like that's just trauma coming back from um, 9-11 because I do know somebody who got separated from their parents. Um, you know, I do think that that's just something that I'm always going to carry around with me because... In the early 2000s, people were not giving kids therapy. And, you know, I remember, like, my school gave us backpacks. Like, six-year-olds, you're giving them backpacks with flashlights, first aid kits, and telling us how to use it. So we learned basic first aid because of that. You know, like, it was, um, like, as someone, I think that's maybe why the pandemic, like, while it's been stressful, it has been traumatizing to me in a different way than I have seen other people talk, talk about it because, 9-11, especially as a kid who completely did not understand, um, just really, like it, you know, it just, it really changed, like, whoever I was going to be. Yeah. Um, my perspectives are sort of similar. Um, I can definitely relate to you about the paranoia, and we'll definitely talk more about that, about some of the things that we have to accept. Um, but mine's perspective about being living in new york city is i lived in every borough um even staten island even staten island Ooh. Uh, group homes foster homes so i was bounced around a lot but i mean but staten island is like staten yeah. island is uh staten island staten island yeah now when i heard that they had vultures that fly on the on the train and they have to stop the train because if the train runs over the vultures the train will fall into the water i was like have you on a fuck oh, that? I, I'm not. I, I have no idea about that, but Heavy I know on the I've fuck never that. taken the train in Staten Island. But um, I've lived through a couple of different decades. Yes, do the math on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, he's never said his age. Yes, do the math. Um, I remember how the the neighborhoods and safety in New York has changed. Um, I remember when Times Square was not the tourist attraction that it is now. Um, I remember. You know, just changes that are happening and being made and how everything is is different and the different time periods. Um, one of the major things I, I do want to say is the safety aspect. There was a time in which New York City was not very safe at all. And then it got safer. Um, the way that it got safer was to vilify groups of large, large groups of people. Um, they gave the police a lot more power than they should have had which was obviously being abused but did it increase did it equal safety no <laughs> it didn't <laughs> but now we are seeing a difference in the changes of safety and you know a lot of people like to run around and say okay in this era of time in New York City it was very dangerous it wasn't safe 
you know, things are changing in New York City now. So people are always hawking back to that era. This is like what it was in the 70s. I wasn't born in the 70s, so good try. I mean, when he was young, there were signs on the train that said, put your chain in your shirt because it can get snatched. Like, kind of like, that's a very loose paraphrasing because it definitely said that your chain can get snatched. Yeah. That's, but there's, that's how dangerous it was. It also said it in the 90s and the 2000s. Also, they told us not to assault the, uh, it was highly suggested that we don't uh, assault the train conductor. Like, that you know, came, you that can't came punch back. him in the face or, that came, now, the, now you get seven years if you. Yeah, but that came back because from when that girl punched the bus driver in New York and the bus driver, like, Talk about the one who gave her. her. Yes. Oh, man. That that's was, why they put them back. so hard. If someone came up to you at your job, just walked up to you random and punched you in the I'm face. I said you're wrong. But man, he hit her so hard. That's because uh, how many times do you think he got hit before he did that? I mean, granted, that was like a crazy amount of force. He but, hit her so hard. But Oof. when you punch somebody that's bigger than you, you have to be ready to take what comes back. I, I, like, that's, mm. I can tell you now, and today it's better and safer for the... Uh, MTA workers, the the yes. bus drivers, the the subway workers, and all of that. But they have to deal with levels of shit that we don't have to deal with and we don't understand. So there's always a heightened level of frustration, especially when dealing with the public, especially when dealing with the public of people who don't respect you, your job, what you're trying to accomplish, etc. Um, the buses are, and that's for a whole nother episode. They had us in a chokehold on the strike. Yeah. And then we found out they had a billion dollars, a billion dollar surplus that they would not pay their workers. Every time the MTA talks about doing this or doing that, there's always we find out they're making more money and just not giving it to the people who are not giving it to their workers. It's going to, to people, but it's mostly the people at the top, 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 which is just no different than any organization or corporation that exists in America. But. This is something that's public face, and this is something that benefits. I think they say it's 11 million riders every day. Unique riders, meaning, yeah, it could be the same sets of people, but 11 million people, whether it's tourists, New Yorkers going to and from work a day, ride the subway. Um, so, my perspective is one that spans a couple of decades and seeing the changes of the neighborhood. I do have to say, Times Square, um, during the pandemic, it felt like it was in the 90s. It felt like it was in... It was calm in the 90s. I mean, in the in Times Square. Crazy in, in the, the 90s. In the no. pandemic. In the pandemic, it was good. And then, um, because they weren't giving supports and services to people who really needed it, everybody was outside. And Times Square was a place that, while things weren't open, it was a place to go. So people were converging from all over the city. People were and also the Port Authority buses there. So anybody who gets off of the, the bus traveling from any place it's in the country, there. they all congregated. And it was... And all trains lead to Midtown. Time. Yeah. So everybody can get there. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And when they had the, the outdoor drinks... Yeah, that was a great Because there's a whole bunch of spots you could hit that's right there. But yeah... So we, we did mention both of us had paranoia and one of our power and let's let's move in. Sorry to things that we have to accept. And when we talked about the paranoia, at least for us, it always starts with the f terrorism fears. There is always in the back of our minds 
that something might happen. And, you know, 9-11 played a huge role in that. Um, if you know before, there was this is not the first time that the World Trade Center was attacked. There was a World Trade Center bombing. Um, a couple of, uh, a month or two ago, there was a shooting, uh, what is classified as a terroristic shooting on the subway. Um, you know, there's always things happening. There's always fears that I'm in this highly uh, visible, highly public place, something might go down. And you know, when even when you're walking through like a Times Square, like a midtown, like any place, even the High Line. Yeah. You know, the High Line you is, never know. Is a literally like a elevated garden you yeah. can walk through. It was a, a it was a converted train tracks. There's a lot of cities that have a version of a High Line. So people may be familiar with it. I know Chicago has one and it's very popular. It's just an old a train track that they elevated to, to a garden. It's beautiful. It's a place to go. Enjoy a nice summer, sunny, or cold day if you want a good walk through New York. Um, but the terrorism fears is something that is big. But it's also like we are black people, so there's also... For sure, the NYPD. Yes, so there's a level of uh, domestic terrorism that we always have to be, that we are, not have to be, but we are always in fear of. Simply because there are there are targets on our back because we are black, and you know we cannot hide our blackness. Or yeah, we are not people who can hide our blackness. So you know, the minute you walk outside, it might not be a fear at the front of your mind, but there is still still a fear in your body that something could happen to you just because of who you are. Something that you cannot change. Something that you did not choose. Yeah. Um. Another thing that we have to accept is the cost of living and the rents. It is expensive to live in New York. And, you know, while they say that New Yorkers make more money on average than somebody who may live in some live in another city or live, you know, somewhere in the middle of the country or whatever, the cost of living, the cost of things, the cost of existing in New York is so expensive. The cost to rent an apartment, I think rents on average in Brooklyn, which is probably one of the highest places, is like $3,200. And that's for a one-bedroom. A one-bedroom apartment in New York City is going to be smaller than a one-bedroom apartment than maybe where you might live or where you might think of, and that's going for $3,200 a month. If you don't have a job that pays you well, that means you're spending most of your time working so you can pay to live in that $3,200 a month apartment. And then that's not including everything else, the cost of groceries, the cost of you know just maybe able to go out and have a little bit of entertainment, everything in the city is expensive. It's also important to note that when statistics, like when they report that income, it's not just the income of people who live in the five boroughs. Mm -hmm. They also include... Billionaires. Well, yes, but they also include like Westchester and um, I want to say also say like Rochester and like areas like New Rochelle that are outside, that are technically not New York City, but they include that. And those are areas where wealthier people tend to live. 
yes, there's always, um, a, I guess what you say, a quote unquote lower end section of every of everywhere you go, but they include those. So then it, it inflates like the average, um, the average income, the average yearly income. So when people who are, you know, a lot of people also live like below at or near the poverty line or simply if you if you don't make like a hundred thousand dollars in the city like yearly your life can be very uncomfortable just you know unfortunately so for the you millions of people who don't make that much um you know they if you're making fifty thousand dollars a year you can't pay a three thousand dollars for an apartment word uh you know what i mean and then safety net programs are not as helpful as you think. I know that there's this whole I- whole idea that safety net programs like welfare and SNAP and WIC, like they're just here to help the people. But after a certain amount, like all of those things have budgets. And when that budget is spent, people do not have access to get it. The safety net close will not catch people outside of that budget. And unfortunately, that is millions of people, you know, so... Yeah, New York. Yeah. Um, one thing to also keep in mind is the place stinks. That's his opinion. It has a constant smell of garbage. And if, when you come to visit, you'll see. I, I don't think. Some places. I don't think everywhere has a smell of garbage. I think that there are certain areas that do have that smell. Like um, Randall's Island, people have their governor's ball is there. It's literally next to a fucking dump. It smells like trash. But you you go ahead. And I also feel like being around there. Being so close to a dump cannot be good for anybody. Yeah. Why are you having a big ass concert here? Environmental hazards, yep. You know, just saying. But um, yeah. You know, it's I don't true. think everywhere smells like garbage. I think I'm the not train say- smells like can- piss and garbage. And- well, well, yes, but the ones that are in you that the ones that are actually cleaned, they smell like dirty ass recycled air. So imagine like an airplane, but like after years. Why no one wants to smell that? Yeah, you know, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, gotta take the subway if you can't don't have a car. Uh, like I was going to say, is we're nose blind. It's obvious that <laughs> I just pointed <laughs> out different fucking smells. I know. I'm just kidding. But no, I'm telling you, when you come here, you'll see what we mean. It's not always, and it could be block by block. So one block, and also it depends on the neighborhoods. Some neighborhoods are well taken care of. They have the services to come pick up the trash. One thing you will notice is going to be a lot of piles of trash. Don't jump into them. I know there's some movies where they're like, "Oh, look at this!" And, what oh, and movie then are you watching? It was some probably some stupid, stupid movie. <laughs> I'm gonna find it. And I'm gonna, man, but I'm like, why would you? Who who would get the idea to do that? But you know, also, don't have your Marilyn Manson uh, Monroe moment. Mm-hmm. Don't have your Marilyn Manson moment either. Yeah, don't Please have that God. either. But don't have your Marilyn Monroe moment where you're trying to go over the grate and ooh hoo hoo. No, I don't know where that what that air is, but I'm sure it's that's toxic. That's subway air. That's air that shoots up from the subway. And and if you've ever walked by that when it happens, sometimes the shit is hot as fuck and it yeah, actually for burns. Real. For real. But, you know, as a person who likes to wear short shorts or the Daisy Dukes, my booty cheeks have definitely been burned from that hot air. It's not cute. It it it's like a dirty backwards queef nobody wants that yeah um also we that was you know we have a homeless problem but it's it's something that's it's not you know anybody's fault except that we don't give them enough services to support them 
what we've been recently having more of is the people, the drug abusers. Oh, I thought you were going to say that we've been having more homeless people be arrested for being homeless and oh, yeah. giving them services. Yes. There's a whole division of police that were made to wake Literally. up. Literally. To wake up sleeping homeless people on the trains and on buses just to, it is you know, to, to wake them up and arrest them. It's pretty gross. We've also, I know if you are um, a transit urbanist, then you've seen that you, uh, New York City in particular has made a lot of furniture, um, like outdoor furniture, public furniture, to discourage homeless people from sitting there and sleeping there. Yeah, they would add spikes or all these different or arm types bars, of things. things like so that. So that way, and that's just gross in its own way. Let's give them the actual services they need so they can get the support. It's actually cheaper for everyone, like tax-wise, if homeless people were actually housed. All right, so let's spend uh, like two or three minutes, a quick rapid fire, demystifying some myths of New York. Gotcha. I'm going to read you a myth, and you tell me what you think of it. All right, myth number one. Everything you see on SVU is true. Uh, as Law and Order Special Victims Unit is true. That is true. Yes, but... They are based on true stories, but New York is sensationalized. not like Sensationalized. Not all of them. Some of them actually go to the book, and they just change names. They actually just change names and, like, dates and places. But New York is not always like that. And also, like, there's murderers everywhere. Sorry to tell you. Yes. Uh, but it doesn't happen as often. All right. Number two. The smell coming from the vents or the streets is probably toxic. True. Yeah, it's probably toxic. Please don't smell it. It's not going to give you superpowers. You're not going to be Daredevil or Spider-Man. It's not, it'll probably just kill you. Don't toxic do waste is not just in barrels. So, no, you will not be Daredevil. Uh, last one. There is no better place to live than New York City. There's probably tons of better places. <laughs> For the most part, I wanted to come here and say no. For me, there isn't. However, in light of recent events... It has kind of made me really think about it. And you also have to understand, you know, we always have this attachment to our home place, the place that we grew up in, our hometowns. New York City is my hometown. Regardless of how many places I was bounced around in my youth to to get here, I have chosen to to live and own property in New York City. With that being said, though, I don't. It's a complicated answer for me to answer. And I think that, you know, recent events, I think really looking back and thinking about how vast and wonderful and beautiful the world is. Can I say that this is a great place to live? For me, it has been. But is there better places to live? The answer is kind of obviously yes. But, you know, where your heart is your heart. Uh, one thing I've, I don't think I've ever shared with somebody, and I, I think this is the best place to share, is... When I'm on a plane and I'm coming back to New York and we pull up and you can open the window and you can see the skyline, I get emotional. I just, it's like, I don't know how to describe the feeling, but I get the goosebumps and I start to feel like it's great. And one thing that always plays in my head is there's a Motley Crue song called Home Sweet Home. And I don't know why it's this song, but it always plays every time we start to see the glimmer of light. 
And when we get closer and closer, it gets more intense and the feelings get more intense. It's a beautiful feeling from what I can say it feels like. But I'm sorry I can't, I'm not doing a great job of putting it in words right now. But there I is no better feeling than that for me. And I don't know why it's Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home, but it just, and I don't even know the lyrics like that, maybe the chorus, but I know that chorus rings in my head many, 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 many times. But yeah, that's me sharing something no. I don't think I've ever told anybody. I don't, yeah, he is getting emotional right now. Um, I don't have that feeling, but I also think that that's partially because I still live with my parents. For now. Yes, for now. Going to graduate college, meet the big bucks. Because I, I said that there's better places to live, but I've definitely been looking at mortgages to get a condo in New York. So, in New York City. So, you know, we, we talk in shape, but this is where we live. Home yeah. is where the feet are. Yeah. All right. So, that wraps up our digging deep for this week. Let's move let's well, let's do this let's let's really move because i think we might want to end this episode on a bit of a somber note so let's lighten it up a bit and move into the teacher's favorite segment which is naughty and the teach recommends i'm going to find a great great sound for that i want something that's like joyful and like Yes, something like that. Yes, exactly. Just um, record me. I'm all the sounds. Naughty, maybe. That might actually be the next move. Naughty, what do you recommend this week? This week I am recommending an album that I have recently been introduced to. Um, it is called For Broken Ears by Thames. You may have heard her on um, the chorus on WizKids Essence, which, has been like th which was a summer song. She also has a song... I want to say it's called Fountains with Drakes on um, his recent album, uh, CLB. They're both actually like really beautiful songs in different ways. Um, but I am recommending this album because, you know, oh man, you know, we took a big break, so I can't exactly remember why. But um, we had spoken about something, I think, in our reintroduction or the second time we had played We're Not Really Strangers, that made me think about like vulnerability and love and relationships and all of those feelings. This album maybe has like six songs, but all of those feelings are all in um in this album. Like if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of Janae Iko and how she can feel every emotion in one album, one piece of work, this album is for you. It literally the first line of the whole album is if you thought I was disturbed before, baby boy, I'm going to disturb you now. If you thought I was disturbed before, baby girl, I'm going to disturb you. Disturb you now. That, yo, when I tell you, and it's like acapella, whole album is fire. Whole album is meaningful. Yeah. Thanks for, um, for sharing that. Uh, mine's is going to be a book. I'm just vapid. It's, uh, no, no. It's just, just what I've been really focused on and it's the the sequel to the first gabrielle union and you know i raved about that and if you've been listening to the show you know that she is my birthday twin yes my twin in real life yes birthday twin yes wait is it um also uh what's the other one's name i know it uh tracy ellis ross yes oh he listens 
I'm on fire. Um, so it's uh, Gabrielle Union's second book. You got anything stronger? Um, I'm recommending it because honestly, she did it again. She tells great stories. Um, it really, really sticks. They're fun. They're funny. They're deep. But her last chapter is one that has stayed with me, and it really made me think and has opened my eyes a lot. I don't want to spoil it, but it talks about what it's like to be black, black in America, black people who uh, consumes media, and how it... I, I don't, I'm not going to say too much, but definitely if you get any part of her book, I guarantee you that if you listen to the last chapter... You're going to want to hear more and definitely hear more. The whole book is great. Um, I have did the audio book because like I said in a previous episode, I like when the author reads their work. I think there's nothing more powerful than that. So definitely check out Gabrielle Union's You Got Anything Stronger and uh, Naughty's recommendation, which was Thames for Broken Ears. <sighs> All right. So this is the part I was kind of dreading. Um, we wanted to end the episode by giving some acknowledgments. One is going to be an acknowledgement as black people living in the state of New York and the tragedy that happened in Buffalo, New York. Um, and another one is one that's very, 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 very personal to the teach. And I'm let's start with the Buffalo. OK, so I'm just going to talk about like a very short overview so um, this is being recorded on May 19th, a few days ago. Um, I want to say like black people, like uh, someone, a white, a white teenager had gone into a Topps grocery store um, on a, like a Sunday afternoon and went in for the purpose to shoot and kill black people. He drove three hours to do so um, simply because they were black um, when you look up this article, you will see that um, he specifically picked New York because of gun laws, and he wrote on um, on his weapon racial slurs and how he and you know about white supremacy and genocide. Um, and while you know we just spoke about like like nine eleven and how in like living in New York City, we are um, aware that there can always be terrorism per perpetrated against us because we are New Yorkers. This is Buffalo, New York. It is um, the whole, like the whole city is um, like Buffalo in itself has cities and, and suburban towns, but it is in comparison to New York, it is considered more suburban and it is very odd for places like that to be attacked. It would be like going into Russia and having a major attack on like Siberia. Why would you do that? It's completely odd to everybody, but there it was very purposeful. And one and like I said before, it just shows you like there is a domestic terrorism and fear that we always have to have to that we are always living with, we are always aware of and always like constantly living living a lifestyle where violence is perpetrated against you as normal. That you like, you almost expect it is not how anybody should live. Not at all. You know, at all. And this and th this shooting in Buffalo shows exactly that. That we have to live in this fear. You know, we are as it is now. 
this is our this is our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is fearing violence committed against us because of the color of our skin. Yeah. Um, I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago I read the book Cast, and I think that resonates with me more when we look at it from a caste perspective because we do have a caste system in the United States, and it's mostly based on skin color. Yes, we could talk about class. We could talk about capitalism and its effect on everybody's everyday lives, but we have a caste system that can supersede all of that because it doesn't matter. You could be rich. You could be LeBron James, but they're still spray painting uh, the N-word all over your house. And the thing to think about, even in even in all those different aspects, in um, speaking in the American context, oppression is racialized. No, like no matter what institution it is in, no what section of culture, it everything oppression is racialized. So it's intersectional, and just being black will, no matter who you are, where you are, as the teacher said you can be attacked. Yeah. Um, We definitely are going to leave a moment of silence for the victims uh, in Buffalo. Um, I wanted to talk about something personal for me that happened in New York city. Um, We, I had a former student get murdered along with a friend. Um, It's really difficult to talk about. I'll be honest. I've been struggling with the whole information. Uh, The details of the case is really hard. It's really tragic. Um, it wasn't just a run-of-the-mill, you know, shooting or murder. It was, I, I don't know how to put it in words, and, you know, I apologize for everybody listening. I also don't want to, the victims were great. They were kids who deserved, um, 22, 23 years old, who had a whole life ahead of them, and they should have been able to live their lives out in any fashion they chose. Um, One had a business and was thriving. The other one was an inspiring basketball player who was really good, very popular. There was not one person I have spoken to or heard of who had anything to say negatively about uh, the boy in the situation. The girl was a business owner trying to do the best that she can you know, with trying to make it in this concrete jungle that we live in. But sometimes, I'm not sure how to put it. I don't know what to say. I just know that it's tragic and my heart breaks for everyone involved. Yes. Family, everyone. This was um, a very targeted attack and... um, incredibly evil and malicious and no no choice that a person makes um is no none of the choices that either of these people made were deserving of the of the way that they had been attacked yeah um i i know i'm not being very forthcoming i want to be respectful to the family You know, we are new at this and we want to share aspects of our lives. And we also get very uh, mindful of the people around us who also are in our lives. We don't want to put their business out. But for me, this is something I have been literally struggling with bad. I'm glad I was able to put on, you know, a good face for the podcast as much as I could. But it is definitely something that is heartbreaking and i am struggling with and understanding and i think the details of the case makes it even harder to understand 
And if this goes well with the New York, New York aspect. If we're going to talk about New York, we're going to be real about it. And gun violence is getting to be a little bit out of control. Now, I'm not saying I have an answer or response. I'm always fearful that when something happens, the way that the people in charge or in power react to it is always something that puts me in the crosshairs or people who look like me. And I'm always worried about that. Not saying that gun violence in New York is a problem. As we know, there's people driving from one place to another to specifically kill people. And when we talk about gun violence and who might be targeted, it's always going to be young, black, or just black people in general. And that and brown people, and Latinos, or Latina people. So it's always something to keep in the back of our heads. Yes, we obviously want to live in the safest city we possibly can, but we want to live in a safest city that doesn't single out or target people and make it uncomfortable for them so that everyone else, quote-unquote, can live better. And we have seen, like with the Buffalo shooting, we have seen this in... Um Minnesota. We've seen this in South Carolina where people, where young white men are driving out to other states um, to kill black people for the purpose of killing black people full stop. So where, where do you live that is safe if you're black? Because even in the cities with the highest black population that doesn't that doesn't equate safety uh we are sorry that this took a bit of a turn um but it was it, it we're trying to be as genuine as we possibly can to our unique self and this is what we have to share so um let's take a moment and give a moment of silence for all of the victims the people who passed away, but also the people who are going to remember this and have to live with this every time that they step in public in Buffalo who were there that day. Let's also, let's give a shot, a moment of silence for the people who lost their lives. Let's give a moment of silence for the innocents that were lost. I know there were children there who had to hide in freezers and refrigerators um, in order to try to keep themselves safe. Let's give a moment of silence for their loss of innocence and let's Give a moment of silence for two young people in New York, in the Lower East Side, who tragically lost their lives in a heinous, targeted, violent way that no person should ever experience. Thank you for that. Um, real quick, if you want to reach out to us about anything we talked about in the episode, um, you can always reach out to us at on Instagram at Naughty and the Teach, at Naughty Flower, and at the Teach NYC. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>